So let's get to God at work and salvation. Now, uh, just to kind of bring us up to speed where we're at at this portion of the series, uh, the Apostle uh, Paul starts writing this letter to the Galatian churches, all those area, because, of course, there were people that were coming up and were preaching a gospel and they were adding things to the gospel. They said, yeah, uh, you are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. But because there, the church was very new and the whole idea of how does that work with Judaism was still in there, there was a group of folks that were down there in Judah who were financing a lot of those missions who were saying, yes, the gospel is that, that Jesus Christ died. He's God the Son, came to the earth, took on all of our sin, died on the cross for it, and we are saved by God's grace through faith in him. Yes, there's that. But that's really for the Jews. And so if you want that, you also have to have law, or you have to add righteousness. So they were saying the gospel of Jesus is Jesus plus law. Please, Jesus plus uh, religious things. Jesus plus whatever. And this really made Paul angry. And he writes them this letter and says, how on earth could you lose this? And so the first things that he does is he writes them and says, listen, you've gotten off base. Right? That, that it is Jesus. Jesus is enough. Then last week he goes in and he says, now don't just take my word for it. This message isn't just from me. It comes from God himself. Hence last week's memory verse. Right? And then he proves it by saying, take a look at my life. I was a persecutor of the church. I hated the church. And all of a sudden now I'm the biggest promoter of the church. And I was like the biggest Jew, the best Jew. And now I'm going to the Gentiles. Explain that to me if you don't trust my story that I met Jesus. Right? And so he says, look at my life is evidence that I didn't come up with this. I wouldn't have made this up on my own. And now he says, now that you have some idea that what we believe is uh, legitimate, now he takes them to task for adding things to the gospel, which is what we're going to talk about today. Now, uh, because we'll be dealing with some very dangerous elements, I have some protective wear that I'm going to put on just in the beginning portion of this because I don't want to be stained. Now, let's... Does that look good? What? All right. Let's talk about this. We know in this world that they are people that are sinners. And in fact, we found out a couple months ago as we memorized the, the, the Romans road that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there are sinners that are out there, right? And we're not righteous for the wage of sin is death, right? And so we recognize that we have been separated from God. And so most of us live in this state. And yet we also see in this world that there are saints, people who are right with God. And we know that the people who are right with God started out here. And so something happened. Something happened right here that turned these people into these people. And we wonder, what is that? And we call this the gospel. That's good news, that you can turn from this to this. And so the Galatians were, were, were struggling with this. What happened right here? That's the formula we're after, right? So there are certain elements that come into play here. The first one that everyone agreed with is Jesus Christ, right? And his work on the cross, right? And so we take a look at Jesus' work on the cross. Jesus, God the Son, perfect man, perfect God, comes to earth, lives a perfect life, yet fulfills all of the law, all the requirements, then dies as an innocent on the cross for everyone else's sins. 
right? And then raises to life three days later, the work on the cross. And if we look here, somehow through our special thing, we were able to just capture a little of that element here. And you can look. It's clear and pure, right? The gospel is good. Jesus' work on the cross is good. In fact, it's not just good. It's infinitely good. Why? Because God is infinite. And this comes from God, right? This is not from man. That's what we memorized last week. Infinitely good. Powerful stuff. Now, the next thing we look at is religion. And religion are all the good things that we do for God, right? And we look at religion in and of itself. Well, religion's pretty darn pure, right? All the good works for God. That's a pretty great thing. And so we would set that down. We would say, look at this. Religion, good. Good stuff. And we say law. Law, we're going to talk about law today. So we got some law on the glass. And we say, hey, look at that law. And that law is pretty pure, isn't it? It's, it's, and law is all the things that God tells us to do. Right? How we're to treat one another and how we're to treat him. And we look at that law and we say, wow, the law is pretty perfect. It's pretty perfect. So we set that down. We look at this. We say, look, the law is good. But then there's another element into play, which is why I am protected. These are the gnomes of sin. This is pure evil. So be careful. It stains. I'll tell you that. Pure evil. In fact, I'll put gloves on before I even open those up because that's dangerous stuff right there. And we look at it, and is this pure it's pure evil. <laughs> it's dark. You cannot see through it. And we see that sin, which really means missing the mark, like the center is what God wants us to do, and we live most of our lives kind of outside of that. That's what sin actually means. We miss the mark. That's bad. It's not good. So, here we go. The first thing that we're going to look at is if you take a person and you add religion, what happens? What happens if you take just a person, not a sinner, just a person, a pure good person, this represents you and me and all of humanity, a good person, look, God made us, he made us good, right? In the Garden of Eden, he said we made him, he made us good, he made us right. So we're pure, we're good. What happens if you take a good person and you add religion, good works? Well, let us see. Here's a religion, and we add the good works. What happened? It increased, didn't it? Aren't good works when we do religion right? They increase us. That was originally the plan. And so you add good to good and we become better. More of it. Fantastic. So we look back at this equation. If you take a good person and you add religion, you end up with a saint. There's a halo. Well, what happens then if you take a good person and you add this good law? The law, God saying, this is how I've made you to live. This is how I want you to treat me and treat others. And then we have this law and we are perfect, just like Christ was. And he added to law, what happens? It increases again, doesn't it? And now we see there's the, the person is greater. That's fantastic. So the law itself added to a good person is a wonderful thing. And I think that's what the law was originally designed to do, Right? So we look at this, and we say the law plus a person equals a saint. How fantastic. But we live in a world where we don't just add perfect law and righteousness to perfect people, do we? In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 3, something happened. There was this serpent 
who is the devil, and he was no good. And he tricked us. And he said, oh, no, no, you can miss the mark. You can do something other than what God said. You can sin, and you're going to be like God, pure and wonderful and fantastic and knowing right from wrong. And he was kind of telling the truth. And so we added sin into our lives. And we didn't just stop with one sin, did we? We have that as sin. We talk mean to people and we do bad things like that. We envy others. Green. Envy. All right. And we get all kind of materialistic and whatnot. Gold. Add that into our lives. And then we just sprinkle all kinds of iniquity into our lives. Look at that. Just, just bad. You know, and you have a bad day. It's just like that. You add all that. And what happens is you look at this and at first you think, man, that is beautiful. That is just, that is gorgeous. And you know it's kind of like that. You see a sinner and sometimes you look at that person and say, that's a really colorful person. Somebody, right? Because we look at the things that are flaws in their life and we think, oh, that's pretty. But God understands that really it doesn't stay like that. And it mixes up into our lives and turns this nasty, gross. Now, if you are going on a road trip and you stop for a bottle of water, and this was up there, you probably wouldn't purchase this, nor would I. It has pure evil in it. And, and what happens is, is when we add sin into our lives, one, it doesn't increase us, does it? But it makes us dark and pure. And what we look here on our little chart, a person plus sin equals a sinner, right? A condemned. And, and this... It's the first step in that equation. So yay us. We're, we're getting closer to figure out what happens. How do we turn sinners into saints? So let's just turn that over because we're done with this. So what uh, we have from this point on then is what is the equation? How do we turn this sinner into a saint? And that is exactly what Paul is addressing today. So let's get into the word and then we will get back to these other things. Tip over the sin. It's bad. Okay. Today's passage, if you turn to Galatians 2, starting in verse 11, you're going to be a real happy person because there's a lot of stuff we'll be going through in that. And the first thing that we find is Paul saying is that the gospel is not Jesus plus religion. Okay? Now, in this passage, I love how Paul takes even the apostle Peter to task, which is important for us to realize that, one, the gospel... Isn't, a, uh, isn't beneath the apostles. Right? The apostles didn't create the gospel. So even if you're Peter, the rock, if you contradict the gospel, guess who's wrong? And, and Paul points this out. He says, with Cephas, who was Peter, came to Antioch. I opposed him to his face. Says, don't you love just the anger that he has in this? He's like, I don't even care if it's Peter. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Peter. Why? Because before certain men came from James, he used to eat with Gentiles, right? He wasn't living all religious-like, right? Because the Jews had this religious way of doing things, and they wouldn't eat with the Gentiles because then Gentiles ate bacon, right? And before James, the folks that came up from James' church that came up to, that were a little more religious, came up there, 
Peter was fine with, with the Gentiles. He recognized that the gospel of Jesus was enough. But when the folks from James's church came up, he would kind of brought on some of those trappings of the old religion and started doing things the old religious way. And it said when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from those dirty Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And I will tell you, as a pastor, there are few things more scary than a religious person. Right? They have, they have their way and they're like, you have to do things this way. And boy, they can be intimidating. And I draw comfort from this that even Peter was a little intimidated by that. And, and he did. He was like, I don't want to cause problems. Let's just, this is about the grace of God. I don't want to cause problems, so I'll just separate if it makes things easier to relieve the tension or whatever. Right? That's what he did. And uh, you have Paul saying, I'm having none of this. He said the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas. Barnabas and, and Paul were tight, right? Remember the first missionary trip, right? It wasn't an easy time. They went through all kinds of sufferings together, and they were close. And Barnabas was with Paul and helped bring the gospel to the Gentiles, to these very churches. And these, these folks would have known Barnabas very well. And yet, even Barnabas was led astray, was, was said, you know what, maybe we can add a little religion to Jesus, and that's okay. And Paul goes on to say this, when I saw that they were acting in line with, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Basically, he's saying is, how come you're now forcing Gentiles to accept religion? Now, to see why he got so upset with this, let's come back over to our experiment. Here is religion. Here is a sinner. This is where we really are. We're not the pure people anymore. We recognize that. So if I take religion and I add religion to a person, a sinner, look what happens. Doesn't it just make their sin more obvious? Right? It might dilute it a little bit, but really, it just makes it more obvious. But the reality is, the sad truth is, is that, of course, none of us keep religion perfectly, right? None of us are perfectly religious. None of us do perfect works for God. So we even mess up religion. And then (laughs) we add it to this. Does it make us pure? Religion by itself, if that's all we have, it just makes it more obvious that we're broken and we actually a lot of times become much darker, right? Which is why the world, when they talk about religious people, often say, ah, hypocrites. They say they're pure and yet look how dark their lives are. And it's really obvious when a religious person sins, right? That's because of this effect. And Paul is, is, is saying, listen, this ought not be. You cannot add religion to Jesus. Religion doesn't take away sin. That's not its purpose anymore. It will only show you how much you have fallen. So we look at our chart and we say, a sinner plus religion equals an even worse sinner. Right? That's really where we end up. So religion isn't the, the, the solution. So Paul then turns his, his focus on to the next thing, law. And he says the gospel is not Jesus plus law. 
It says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of law. He's pointing them back to even Jews knew this. He said, but by faith in Jesus Christ. You can't add law to Jesus because law doesn't save you. It says, so we too have put on faith in Christ Jesus so that we, we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because... By the works of the law, no one will be justified. So if we come back over to our experiment table and we look and say, what if we add law to a sinful person? Doesn't it just make our sin all that more obvious? That's what it does. In fact, that's what it says in Romans it's going to do, right? It says that God now gives us a law to show us that we're broken so that we recognize our need for a Savior. But, of course, we don't keep the law perfectly. We lie, cheat, steal, do all kinds of things. We don't keep God's law perfectly. So even if you were a pure, perfect person and then you kept an imperfect law, guess what? It doesn't just make your sin more obvious. It also makes you darker. And isn't that what the point is? The law isn't meant to save us. It just makes us more obvious that, that we're broken, that we're impure. And so we look at our chart and we say, is the gospel sinner plus law? And the answer, of course, is no. You take a sinner and you add law, you just end up with a worse sinner. Or at least somebody who is more obviously condemned. They recognize that they're a sinner. And that's what we see in most of life. When Amy and I were uh, brand new in our Christian faith, brand new. We, uh, we went to this very legalistic sect of Christianity. We did. And this was their thing. They said, you know, if you add enough religion and law to Jesus, you're going to end up really, really fantastic. And it was such a lie. And it wasn't a lie because the people were mean and they were trying to deceive us. is that they themselves were deceived. And what happened was, is you would read these books and go to these conferences that were talked by people who said, if you do these things, if you have enough law and religion in your life, if you're churchy enough, then you're going to become a better person. But what happened when you left those conferences and everybody had their plastered on smiles and their nice khaki pants and blue tops and the women couldn't really brush their hair nice because they wouldn't want to be an eye trap to a man, right? So dumpy women and guys are dressed like salesmen. When you left those conferences, you would go home and you would recognize that all the things they talked about in that conference weren't really who you were. And you would try to be. So you would try to be more religious. I, I'm going to have I, I'd make sure that I have more discipline in my life. And I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. to marching band music so that way I can pray today because I will be better if I do that. And I'm going to make sure that I have the first seat in church every Sunday because if I do that, God will love me more and I will make sure that I do all these other things. But in my own life, it was filled with corruption. And, and I found myself becoming very judgmental of others to the point I remember this so very clearly is uh, there was a, being uh, responsible was so important to them. And right? it was a character thing. And so you have to make sure that everything was all in order. And then I came to this church, but we were at the Masonic Lodge, which was, whoa, weird. And... And we were sitting there, and I can't remember the person who it was, but they were sitting there, and something fell out of their pocket. And the thought in my head was, wow, they sure don't have their life together. 
right? Because something, obviously, if you have your life together, you know where there are things in your pockets are supposed to be, and they don't fall out willy-nilly, right? <laughs> what happens is we become dark, and it becomes obvious to everyone, and nobody wants to hang out with you because you're dark. Jesus plus law, Jesus plus religion is a dark thing. Well, then what do we do is we say, well, there's another element here. There is sin. <laughs> if, if adding law and religion isn't going to do it, a lot of folks can say, I give up then. I'm saved by God's grace through faith. That's it. I'm just going to sin. And Paul addresses that. He says, but if seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. This is my favorite Greek word. It's meganoita. It means mega no. <laughs> right? Big no. That's a big no, buddy. Christ does not promote sin. He says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I would really be a lawbreaker. For though Christ died, uh, though for through the law, I died to the law, so I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. Look at what he's talking about over here. He's saying, listen, we've got darkness in our soul, right? We're broken, and we say, well, if this is what, this is obviously not God's plan for me, right, to be dark like this. He wanted me to be pure and great. And so I give up on religion and law because I see that those just make it more obvious. So, well, I just give up, and I say, well, God's going to forgive me anyway, so I'm just going to add a whole bunch more things. So I'm saying, I'm just going to be more wicked and mean. I'm going to have lust in my life, and I'm going to have more greed in my life, and more envy in my life. I'm going to be just just a meaner person, right? I'm just going to enjoy this life in, in, in my own sinful way, just for me, and become selfish. If we do that, and what happens is, is we come even darker. We don't become greater. This is not God's plan for us. In fact, what happens in our own soul, we basically find more and more death. This is not God's plan. And he says, you know what? I died to this. Christ died, so I wouldn't have to have this. How on earth could I live in this murk? Why would I destroy myself even more? This is not God's plan. This is not purity. It's, it's the anti-purity. So I can't live for that. So we look back over here and we say, well, Paul basically shows us that a sinner plus sin equals, guess what? A worse sinner, right? That's what happens. And that, that is not the gospel. And some people think that is the gospel. Like, I'm saved by God's grace through faith, so I can sin all I want? That's the good news. No, that's not the good news. <laughs> right? You look at this. You do that, you're still going to be miserable. There has to be something else. But you'll notice that there is an element that we haven't tested yet. And this is one that Peter finishes with. And it's this. A sinner plus Christ. Well, let's take a look. In the very last portion of, of his passage here, he says, The life I live now in the body, I live by faith to the Son of God. Right? Jesus. I live by faith in that, saved by God's grace through faith. Who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He comes back to the cross. It's the cross that is the essential element. It is the cross that makes everything different, right? And so we look at, if we take this horrible sinner that has messed up religion and law and added sin into their life time and time again, and we add Christ there, the most amazing thing happens. 
instantly you'll notice a change. But you'll notice it didn't change instantly to pure. Right? You ever notice in your Christian life, you accepted Christ and he comes and he purifies you, but you still struggle with a little bit of darkness and taint and sin? Right? That's the process of sanctification. But I want you to watch that as we continue talking and I wrap this up. Because that's going to get purer and purer and purer. And by the time I'm done, it's going to look just like the water did before. Because when Christ is in you, it's inevitable you will be purified. You will be purified. You see, Jesus is enough. And it's not by your works and it's not by law. Those, those things aren't bad. But that's not what saves us. That's not what we were made for. Jesus is enough. And he says, if I try to turn to those other things, all I am saying is, you know what? Christ really died for nothing if religion was enough. But I want you to notice this. Look how pure this is now. But then I add some impurity in my life. Look what happens. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? Christ changes us. He is the one in whom we have our security. And so he is the one in whom we need to place our trust. And so when we look at this final formula, we say a sinner plus Christ equals a saint. Every time. Every time. And don't you see the similarities here? A sinner as a saint. What is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus Christ and nothing else. So far be it from us to ever presume that we could add one thing to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were called and made for so much more. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we bring this, this experiment and this time in the gospel lab to a close. And as we do, I want you, as the worship team comes up, I want you to pull out those little green cards that you all have, the connection cards. Because there's something that, that maybe we need to be doing for this. Now, first one is if you have not come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're still trying religion. That's why you're at church today. Or maybe you're trying law and you're feeling like if I just do better things and I just obey God better, then somehow I'm going to become pure in my life. Well, I've got good news for you. That's not going to work. That is great news because that's an exhausting way to live. And you came this morning and I have a better message. That Jesus is enough to save. And if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then why not today? Why keep adding things in your life that only increase the, how obvious it is that you're not pure? Why not come to the God who can save you, who can cleanse your soul from the inside out, and who can make you right? If you have that decision to make here in a moment, I'm going to pray, I'm going to be in the back, and I want you to come and I want you to talk with me. And I'll share with you what does it mean to follow Jesus, and I'll talk to you how do we take those steps in faith to become his disciple. It's a wonderful thing. But in the meantime, before you do, I'd like you to mark on your card. I'd like to some more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> right? Why? That helps us know how to follow up with you. Because a relationship with Jesus isn't just something you start and then, and then you just, it's like a one-time flash in the pan thing. You become a follower of his. It's a wonderful thing. So let us know. But maybe if you already know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, some other things. Maybe it's to memorize Galatians 2.21. Right? When the temptation to feel like I've got to be better so God can purify me comes in, that passage to remember that we don't toss aside the grace of God. 
God's grace is enough. Christ died for something. He died to save us. He decided to save you. So maybe that's a passage you need to memorize and, and commit to. And then every time that those doubts come up and every time that that pressure in your life comes in that you have to perform better to be to somehow become more pure, you can remind yourself of the truth of Scripture that no, Jesus is enough. Or maybe it's to accept God's grace for your failings. Maybe there's that grace of God. You say, you know what? I have been trying religion and it's just not working. And so maybe it's just accept God's grace that He loves you the way that you are. And He's not going to leave you that way because you follow Him. He's purifying you today. Today. And so accept that grace. Maybe that's what you need to do. Or maybe it's to worship and to serve God for His glory, not mine. Right? That goes into all that religion stuff. You know, oftentimes we go to church and we do all the right things, but we're doing that for the wrong reasons. We're doing it so we could become a better person. Right? I'm going to go and I'm going to serve in the church so that God will give me some glory. So he'll, he'll make me better. He's already made you better. Isn't that wonderful? So maybe today is the day, it's just in that turn of your heart and your mind, you say, you know what, from this point on, I'm going to serve God, not so that I can become better. He's got that covered. I'm going to serve God for His glory. Maybe that's the commitment you need to make. Or maybe it's to confess and repent of some stubborn sin in your life. Maybe you've kind of given up because you just feel like, I just can't fight this. Right? And sure, God's grace is sufficient. If you sin, He's going to wash it away. And maybe just having that shouldn't be your excuse to say, I want to live a dark life. Maybe there's a stubborn sin in your life you come to over and over again. You feel like, I'm so exhausted of repenting of this. Don't get exhausted of repenting. God is there. Trust Him. Maybe there's something you need to say, I'm going to give this to God. I know it's not what He wants in my life. I know it's not what He wants of me. I'm not giving this up so that way I can be saved. Christ saved me. But I'm giving this up because I want to walk in the purity that He has for me. I want to be more and more like the person that He's made me to be. And I want to spend less time in that dark. So God, you can have this today. Maybe that's the commitment you need to make. Maybe there's something else that God is speaking on your heart. I encourage you right now. Write that in. Let us know. We will be praying for you this week. If you have any other prayer requests, also tell us. Because we do. We pray for you. If you ask us to, we pray. All week long, it's a wonderful thing that we get to do. And we've seen God answer prayers. It's an amazing thing. In just a minute, I'm going to take these cards that you filled out and you're going to put them in the offering basket. Also, I want you to put your tithes in your offerings there too because we have a gracious and wonderful God who provides all of our needs. And He says, give back to Him first fruits. Why? Because He is enough. So take those gifts and this and add those into the basket. And, and as you do, let it be your act of worship to Him this morning saying, I'm giving to you what you ask and I'm giving to you because you're good. Let us do that. Let's pray for the offering. Heavenly Father, (laughs) I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that God, you're big enough that (laughs) you don't need our help. That you don't need religion to somehow purify our souls. And you don't need law to, to finish the work of Christ but that Christ finished the work of the law and that Christ finished the work of religion so that we could be made pure and right. And so that when we abide by your law and when we do the good thing, it's not us that gets glorified, Father, but it is you. Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord, as their Savior, 
that you would put a stirring in their hearts and a conviction in their spirit, Father. Call them out of your love. Because you said, you said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and anyone who comes to him that believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And we know that's true. And Father, for the rest of us who have been saved, I pray that you keep us in that grace, that we wouldn't toss it aside as some worthless thing. Father, we know that Jesus didn't die for nothing, but he died for us. So let us hold to that grace and appreciate and, and live for you the way we are. This is our prayer. And Father, also we ask that you would take the offerings and the tithes and you would magnify them for the glory of your kingdom and for the freedom of those kept in captivity to sin for the comfort of those who are suffering, Father. Use these offerings, Father, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.